The following is a sermon from Christ Memorial Church. We are a multi-site church in the St. Louis area. We are compelled by two words, loved and sent. We believe everyone is loved deeply by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and everyone is sent with great purpose wherever they go. You can find out more about us at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Enjoy the following sermon. Everybody doing okay? Those of you in the far back, I can still see you in the blinding light. We continue in our series uh, on two words, focused on just two words, loved and sent. We are loved by God in Jesus and sent by him into the world. I think I told you about a conversation I had with a young woman who was searching for meaning in her life and engaging the reality, grappling with the reality of God. And as she was was doing this, she asked me a question. She said, how do I know what God thinks of me? How do I know what God thinks of me? We've spent the first chunk of this series answering just that question with a manger, a cross, and a crown. So that the manger means that God is not distant from you, far away, leaving you to fend for yourself, but he has come so near, so close Closer than you know. Cross means that none of your offenses can push him away, that none of them are unforgivable, that there are the things about you that you don't even want to admit to yourself, and he pardons them with blood on a cross, forgives them. They're gone. The crown means that Jesus is not dead, and that your weakness is overwhelmed by his power. He is the risen king. He stands at this very moment as the universal ruler of the entire world. Universe, world, and all that's in it, heaven and earth. He is the risen king. How do I know what God thinks of me? How do I know that? We begin to answer that. And and the word sent fascinates me because it means that God answers that question with people like you and me. In and through us, we become the answer to that question. How do I know what God thinks of me? We are sent ones, sent under the authority of the sender. In his name, under his authority, by his power. And now with his presence, his pardon, his power in us and for us, now we bear those things for others. We become the bearers of his presence and his pardon and his power in the world. How do I know what God thinks of me? In a mysterious way, you become the answer. And today we're going to focus, uh, as we revisit, we go back to the manger again and presence. We know about God's presence for us, and now how are we God's presence for others? Christ in us, us present with and for others. There's a business adage that goes like this. Manage by walking around. Manage by walking around. What this means is that uh, the best bosses or CEOs get out of the office and they, they walk around with their people. They walk the hallways and the factory floor. Uh, some bosses maybe tuck themselves away in the corner office and they never interact with anybody. They seem aloof and they seem uncaring, but the best Bosses or CEOs or leaders show a strong leadership by being present. They walk around. So the CEO, he puts on the the hard hat and he walks the factory floor. 
or the principal who grabs a lunch tray and sits down next to the students in the cafeteria, or the four-star general who gets down and does push-ups with his troops. Managed by walking around means that there is, a, there is a power in being present with someone. And it's beyond just leaders or uh, CEOs or bosses. It's really in any relationship that when you walk with, when you bear with, when you stay with somebody, when you're present with them, there's a power to that. There's a deep power to that when you manage by walking around, your presence with someone. And the profound truth of the manger is that God is present with us, not distant, far away, but comes to walk right with us. That kind of confusing verse, John 17, 21, we just spoke it. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says this, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The sentence will make you a little bit dizzy, and the whole chapter will, if you just want to get dizzy, just read the whole chapter of John 17. Let me break it down. Just as the Father and the Son share this, this unique unity and oneness, Jesus says, so with you, that we too uh, are in him. His prayer that we also may be in him, in the, in the Father and in the Son, and that we share in this binding unity and oneness. To get a picture of this, one of the great pictures for me is, a, is an African-American spiritual. And the refrain says, I'm wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in Jesus. It's very vivid imagery. So that when you are claimed by Christ, you become wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in him. Bound in this relationship of oneness and of unity. You bearing his presence in you because he is present with you and for you. He goes on to say, so that... So that, Jesus says, so that there is an end and a goal to this binding unity. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus did more than just manage by walking around. He walked around and he walked to a hill. To prove his love for you, shed blood. And now you're bound up in this relationship, wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that now when people look at you, you are the place, you are the presence, you are the proximity for God's activity in the world. You are so bound up and, and wrapped up and tied up and tangled up in him that when people look at you, they begin to see and know the God who claimed you, who came to be present with you. The manger means that God's love is incarnational, that it takes on flesh. And so God's love takes on flesh in you. Luther says, where else will people see? How else will they know of Christ? Where else will they see him but in his church, in you? God is present with you, and now you are 
and you bear the presence of God for others. It's a mysterious and almost scandalous statement that God would choose to be known and present in and through you for the sake of others. An example of this, uh, Pastor Amos Bole is a friend of our congregation. You may remember uh, he was here last January for our mission uh, festival, and he's comes now and again and, and visits us. He's the uh, president of the Lutheran Church in Liberia. And when he was here last January, we were talking about uh, his church body and talking about his church in Liberia. And we were talking about how, how, how can we support you, Amos? What can we do? And we talked about funding. We've given some funding for whether it be education or digging water wells in Liberia. But then Pastor Amos said this. He said, those things are nice. But what would be really powerful is if you would come to be present with us. Come and visit us and pray with us. I don't have my ticket to Liberia yet, but there was a, something in that statement was striking. I don't, I don't necessarily just want your money or your stuff. Come, come, come see us. Be with us. There's a power in being present with somebody, especially when you carry the presence of Christ in you. Then there is a great power in your presence with others. God is present with you, then you are sent as his presence in the world, so that, Jesus says, so that the world may believe that the Father has sent me. You become a monument, a walking monument, declaring this. Okay, pastor, I am I'm sent with the presence of God. Okay, I get it. So what do I do? What do I do when I'm sent? That old business adage maybe gets at it a little, little bit. Manage by walking around. Manage by walking around. Some bosses, when they walk around, they go on tirades. They scream or yell, or berate, or maybe they just drone on and on and on. But the best bosses, the best CEOs, when they're walking around, they say very little. When they walk the factory floor or go to the cafeteria, they say very little because they want to know how things are going and how their people are doing. When they walk around, they say very little because they're listening. Managing by walking around means that you, that you listen. Okay, pastor, I know that I'm sent, and I, I understand that concept. I, I, I like it. That's good. I'm sent. But what do I say when I'm sent? That's one of the big questions that I get is, uh, I think for many of you, you say, well, this, is, this is good. I could be sent. But the greatest fear is, what, do I, what am I supposed to say when I'm sent? Let me propose something radical. Don't say anything. When you are sent, don't, don't say anything. Of course, there's, there's a time to speak and there's a time to give an answer. But first, don't say anything. Christians are often known for speaking too quickly and listening too slowly. We're, we're quick to speak, 
to use lots of words to preach at you, like I'm preaching at you right now, and to do very little listening. It is a necessary skill for Christians, especially in the 21st century, to listen, to hone in on the skill of listening. A few years ago, a pastor named Dan Kimball wrote a book called They Like Jesus But Not the Church. And just in the title, you can kind of tell what the book is about. Essentially, he was capturing the reality that in our society, for the most part, non-Christians like Jesus. They're interested in the person of Jesus, but they don't like his followers. They don't like you. They like Jesus, but, but not the church. And there are a number of reasons, but one of which is that Christians are perceived as those who, who talk a lot, but don't really listen and don't really care to listen or to know the people they're talking to. And so Kimball lists a number of, of uh, complaints against Christians, and some of these you may have heard or I have heard. Christians just preach at you. Or they shove the Bible down your throat. Or I got the Jesus lecture. Or they tell me what to believe, but they don't even know me. Or they try to legislate their beliefs without any regard for, for how I feel or what I believe. If this is how non-Christians feel about us, then we need to listen very carefully. You don't have to agree with them, with their assessment, but you need to listen to it to try to understand why, why do they think that way. To try to understand. And you don't have to get defensive. Uh, if you get defensive, that just shows an insecurity. We don't, we don't have to defend ourselves. We have to listen and try to understand what do they mean by that? God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we would do twice as much listening as speaking. And I think that's the great skill that we need to continue to work on as Christians in the 21st century, the art of listening. Here's why. Jesus gave us the great commandment. You know the great commandment. We just read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. By the way, your neighbor is anybody who's around you. You may say, well, who's my neighbor? Who isn't your neighbor? It's the, anybody who is around you, that's your neighbor. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you are to love your neighbor, it means that you must first know your neighbor. You have to know who they are if you're going to love them. And if you are to love your neighbor as yourself, you should know them at least as well as you know yourself, which means you have to do a lot of listening to understand them, to get to know them. The great commandment requires that we are present with our neighbor. The great commandment requires that we listen to and understand and know our neighbor. It's very easy to just say words at someone. It's much harder to sit with them, to stay with them, to be present with them, and to listen to them. That's, that's a hard skill. But it's a necessary skill for Christians in the 21st century. In a more and more complex world, it's harder to know our neighbor. And we've got to listen to know our neighbor, to live out the great commandment. We can learn a little bit of wisdom from the medical profession. A doctor says, listen to your patients. They'll tell you the answer. 
It's a doctor saying, listen to your patients. They'll tell you the answer. In other words, when you come to the doctor, you go to a visit, when you walk in the door, the doctor just doesn't prescribe a remedy right away. He doesn't know what you need before you walk in the door. Instead, the doctor first listens to you. He or she will ask, well, what, what brings you in today? What hurts? Where does it hurt? How long has this been going on? Are there things that make it better? Are there things that make it worse? They take out the stethoscope and listen. And only by listening, then, then they diagnose the problem. Then they can issue a remedy. The great commandment requires that we know, that we diagnose, that we, that we listen, and we listen carefully. It requires listening. Listen to your neighbor. They'll tell you the answer. And when you listen, their answers will be clues to the remedy that they need. We may know the remedy, but how, how to speak it, how to apply it. They'll give you clues if you listen. And ask questions that get to the ultimate question of, who are you? That's what you want to know. You want to know who, be so fascinated by them. You just want to know who they are. Uh, our production of The King and I, there's the, there's the song, Getting to Know You, Getting to Know All About You. Who are you? What makes you tick? Help me understand you. In, in preaching, uh, before I preach, I have to know my audience. In listening, you, you, you have to know your audience before you speak. Who are you? What makes you tick? What is it about you? Too often Christians give answers to, to questions that people aren't answering. That happens, or aren't asking. That happens all the time. It's kind of like prescribing chemo when the problem is a broken foot. And sometimes we miss where people are at because we haven't listened first. And we have to ask, who are you? And then shut up long enough to hear the answer. Here are some questions that, that I use in conversation. If you want, you can write them down, or later, if you have certain questions that you use, uh, share them with me. To get at the question, who are you? Here's one. What was it like growing up? Tell me where you're from. What was it like growing up? You can know a lot about someone when you hear about their, up, their upbringing. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? It's a very non-threatening question, and you can get at uh, a lot about who a person is. What's the hardest thing you've ever done? Tell me the story behind your tattoo. Every tattoo has a story. You don't put something on your body if it, if it doesn't mean something. Ask them about it. What does that mean? Tell, tell me the story about your tattoo. Tell me about your family. You can tell a lot about somebody based on their family of origin. Listen to, to their family. Let them tell you about their family, and you'll know who they are. That's interesting. Why do you think that? I use that one all the time. Uh, you'll, you'll hear things that you may not agree with. You'll hear things that might offend you. Maybe you're sent to somebody, and it's very difficult because they're so, so different than you, and they say things, and, and you're like, I, I, I just want to bark back at them. But this is a great one. That's interesting. doesn't mean you agree with them. But why do you think that? Try to understand. Uh, why, why are they saying that? What's behind that belief? Ultimately, loving your neighbor means that you have to know your neighbor. You have to know who they are. You have to answer the question, who are you? 
And that requires being present with them. That requires listening to them. God knows who you are. He's answered that question for you. He knows exactly who you are. He even knows your polluted past. He knows the things that you're embarrassed about that you don't want anyone else to know or see. He knows all of that. And the manger means that he comes to be with you nonetheless. The manger means that God knows who you are and he still stays with you. Are you willing to do that with someone else? To know exactly who they are in all of their mess and still stay with them? It's a hard thing to do. But as those who bear the presence of God, we are presence, his presence with others. If you listen to someone and you get to know who they are, they will know that you care. And when they know that you care, they will trust you. And when they trust you, at some point they're going to say, there's something different about you. What's up with you? And when they've asked that question, when they ask you a question, then it's their turn to listen. And it's your turn to speak. And when they've asked that question, you can pull a piece of paper out. And you can pull a pen out. And you can sketch on the paper with your great artistic skills three icons like the ones up on the screen. And you can say, let me introduce you to someone who changed my life. Let me tell you about a manger, a cross, and a crown. Thank you again for listening to the sermon from Christ Memorial. If you happen to be in St. Louis or live in St. Louis, we would love to meet you and have you join us for worship on Sunday. We are located in South County, St. Louis at 5252 South Lindbergh. We also have a city site called Reliant that is located on the St. Louis University Medical Campus in Crave Coffee House. You can find all of our worship times and information at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Hope you have a good day, and remember, you are loved by God deeply through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you are sent with great purpose wherever you go. Have a good day.